Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Rodney Holmes. I am part of the uh, Prados community group. And today I will be reading from you, uh, for you all, uh, from Philippians uh, verses 4 through uh, verse 9. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Again, I've read to you Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. May God have a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his word. Hmm. I might just let you preach, Rodney. Sound good, dude. Hey, good morning, church. Uh, as you can see, I'm not Tanner House, which I was sometimes. He's a cool dude. Uh, but yeah, my name is Mark Rohr. Um, I've been here on staff uh, since December. Uh, me and my wife, uh, Yadi, we've been here since December, and we have a five-month-year-old son who's been a lot of fun uh, to be around, uh, except for at night. Uh, he's uh, not been sleeping well, but that's been okay. Uh, but we're just grateful uh, to be here in Odessa. I talked to one person yesterday, and I said, he's like, how's Odessa going? And I said, man, we really, we really love it. And he said, I think you're the first person I've ever heard that said they love Odessa. I said, man, this is a great place, and we've got to know a lot of good people, um, be, especially be a part of this church and this community. has just been a huge blessing uh, to, to our family, and so we're grateful uh, to be here with you. And I'm grateful to be able to open God's Word with you this morning. As Rodney said, uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you have one, if not, there's some on the table uh, and the welcome table outside these doors if you want to grab one. But we'll be in Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9. Um, but as I, the reason I've chosen Philippians 4, uh, 4, through, 4 through 9 is because I've been doing a daily reading plan. And this verse, uh, and verse 5 in particular, has been coming back to my mind and, uh, again and again and again throughout all these weeks. Uh, and which, which says, the end of verse 5 says, the Lord is at hand. These five words have brought refreshment to me um, and continues to encourage me to fight the good fight of faith. Now I know for all of us uh, this past year it's been really hard, uh, especially in our, in our area. The oil crisis has really hit hard here. Um, I know many in this room, maybe you've lost your job or you know someone personally that's lost their job or you've just heard people Speaking about that and just the, the, heart, the heartache that that's brought to our community and the areas surrounding us. Uh, I know all of us know in this room, uh, of course, COVID also as well, right? Um, if you, know, you probably know someone that may have lost their life or you know someone that's getting close to you that's lost, that has someone that's lost their life. Um, so it's been a really uh, tough year um, in, in, that, in that sense, especially in our area with the oil crisis and COVID. Um, but also just in our daily those are the big things, right, that, are, are, that bring anxiety into our life. And that's what our topic is going to be about, is how to fight anxiety, how to rejoice in the Lord always, right? Paul commands us to rejoice in the Lord and not just rejoice sometimes, but he says always, 
right? Meaning in all circumstances of life, in the hard times, in the, in the, in the difficult times, and in the good times, we are to rejoice. And I want to look at the text this morning and see how do we truly apply this to our life? How do we rejoice in times when, when we lost our job, when we lose a loved one, when illness comes, right? When you're in Odessa traffic, how do we rejoice? Has it even been down 338 lately? Like at 5, it takes about like an hour to get out to the north side of town. It's been, it's been crazy. The Lord's really reminded me to rejoice in those moments. Um, but yeah, so our daily, our daily life is, is we're tempted every day for our joy to be robbed from us uh, just in the daily struggles of life. And so I want to really look at this text this morning and see how, how do we fight anxiety and, and, and find joy in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our, of our trials in life. Um, and I love uh, what we're going to again hear about, uh, that in the midst of our suffering and the trials of this life, if you are in Christ, the Bible says we can rejoice always because right, of our mighty King Jesus who is present with us and gives peace that surpasses our all understanding. That's what we're going to hear about today. This peace that God gives us through his son Jesus, if you are in Christ, that surpasses all understanding. Right, so I'm excited to open the God's Word with you this morning to, to see that in a more uh, way. Um, but there's going to be five uh, P's. I've, I really worked hard on this. Um, I had some help with it. Um, but in this text, we're going to see the presence of the Lord. And because of his presence, we pray to the Lord. And because we pray, peace from God is produced. Because of this peace, it leads us to ponder more of God's virtues in Christ. And then finally, to practice trusting him. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll, we'll go through our text. Father, thank you just for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to meet in this room. Thank you for the fun dome, uh, God, that we can come and, 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 and join together, Lord, and, and open your word. God, thank you for the freedom that we have here um, in Odessa to open your word. God, there are so many places in this, in this world that, uh, God, they're having to meet right now in, in secret places uh, because it's illegal uh, to be a Christian there, um, and, and they are on the verge of being persecuted, being thrown in the prison, and, and even their physical life is at stake uh, because they are meeting together this morning to open your word. And so, Father, I pray that the freedom that we have here, the freedom that we've been blessed to have, God, that we would take this time seriously, that we would take your word seriously, uh, that we would realize that even in the midst of, of trials and sufferings, God, that we can rejoice because of who you are. And so, Father, I pray that you would open our minds and hearts uh, to this truth, Lord, and Encourage us for we need encouraging. Convict us, Father, and, and keep our eyes back and fixed on you. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So let's read again 4, uh, four through 9 of Philippians. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So as we look at the book of Philippians, 
this is a thank you letter that Paul has rip, written to the, Phili- to, to the believers in Philippi. All right, if you go all the way back to Acts, we see uh, where, how, the Phil- how the Philippi church started by, uh, through Paul preaching the gospel to a guy, a jailer, to a, a woman that's in slavery, uh, to Lydia. Right, and this is how the, the, the church in Philippi was planted by just kind of how we are right now, right? That's pretty amazing to think about that God, that Paul went and preached the gospel to a few people, and now there's a church in Philippi, right? And as we meet here together, we have the opportunity to preach the gospel and hopefully, by God's grace, plant this church, right? But this is a thank you letter that Paul has written to the Philippi church. Uh, he deeply loves them. Uh, their relationship is not surface level. If you look at Philippians 1, uh, 3 through 5, it says, Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. All right, Paul's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for you, but mostly he's in, in the center of, of his thankfulness is because of their partnership in the gospel. Right, and so the, their relationship with Paul is deep, and it's, it's centered around the gospel, right? And so that's, that's the root of their relationship is the gospel. So Paul's overarching concern is with the gospel, a word um, that appears more in Philippians than any other letter. And when we think of gospel, I don't want to take, like, make, I want to make sure that we understand what the gospel is, and the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, meaning that when Jesus came and lived a sinless life, Right? And ultimately, he died on the cross for you and mine sins, that if we repent and turn to him, we are forgiven of our sins. Right? That is the good news of Jesus Christ. So when you hear the word gospel, that's what that's referring to. Um, so by God's grace, um, now looking at Redeemer Church, um, our main concern is the gospel. Right? We meet here because of the gospel, because we have been united in faith for those who are in Christ. Right? And then we want to go and take that good news to other people in our community and around the world. Um, and that God would be glorified. Yet, as Paul refers to in the book of Philippians, and we see we live in a sinful world, uh, struggles arise and take our eyes off the gospel. These struggles include joyless, joylessness, lack of graciousness, anxiety, and impure thoughts. In Philippians 4, we will again point, we'll see and hopefully point us back to the gospel as Paul did to the Philippian church and refocus us on the gospel. So if you would, again, read verses 4 through 5. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your kindness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. In these verses, we're going to see the presence of God. So again, it says rejoice, right? So and in the book of Philippians, that is probably the, one of the main themes uh, in, the, in the book of Philippians is joy. It's a recurring theme in this letter, and we see it, uh, for instance, in 2.17, uh, where Paul says, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. In Philippians uh, 3.1, it says, Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4.10 uh, says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Right? So we see this is the theme of the book of Philippians is rejoicing. No matter what the circumstances are, Paul says, I rejoice. Right? And Paul is writing this book of Philippians, not from the beach, and saying, hey, rejoice, man, I'm just lounging here on the beach. But Paul is enslaved in prison at this moment, writing this letter to the, book of, to the, to the Philippian church. Right? So he's saying, I'm in prison, yet I am rejoicing. 
because of my faith in Christ, my hope in Christ. So I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters in Philippi, to rejoice in the Lord, right? And so that, that's just an amazing thing, that Paul's in prison yet rejoicing. Um, and so here in 4.4, 4, 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord and do so always. So that's my question this morning. Is it really possible to rejoice always? This world is broken, and although we do everything we can to fix it, right? I know Rodney goes to the weight room and lifts every day, right? He looks good and healthy, right? But there's a lot of things in this life that we try to do, and we should pursue health and all that kind of stuff. But we soon find out that when stuff happens in our life, we soon find out that we're not strong, right? You may have the best job in the world right now, but tomorrow you could lose it. Right? Tomorrow you could become sick, whatever it is. So we realize that we are finite people. We are, we are mere mortal people, right? no matter how strong we think we are. So there are many things that can rob us of our joy. Again, verse 6, Paul alludes to anxiety. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Paul knows that the things in life bring anxiety, right? And so that's one thing that can rob us of our joy. But there are other things, just as we just referred to, loss of a loved one, loss of work illness, relational, relational difficulties, and numerous other problems that can steal our joy. And I know there are many people in this room that have experienced loss, um, and, and maybe close to you or people that you know. And so that's what I want to get to. How do we rejoice in, in the midst of these sufferings and these trials? And again, Paul is writing this letter in prison, and ultimately, if you look at Paul's life, he's executed, right? He's beheaded because of his faith in Jesus. Right, Paul, that's why he just said, if my life is poured out as a drink offering, right, he knows that he's referring to his death, that one of these days he's going to be executed for his faith. Yeah, he's saying rejoice. So Paul knows suffering, and yet he commands the Philippian church, who is also facing trials, and us, to rejoice always. So how? The text gives us the answer. Look at verse uh, 4 and 5. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. So there, right there, it says the Lord Right, so how do we rejoice in the Lord? And in verse 5, the Lord's at hand. So our rejoicing, your rejoicing, is not grounded in our circumstances or our successes or failures, but in the finished work of the cross. If you have received forgiveness of your sins through Christ, then your name is written in the book of life. Look, look at verse 3, right above verse 4. It says, um, Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me, and the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Right? And so in the book of life, meaning that when we pass away from this earth and face God, right, we can enter into heaven because our names are written in the book of life through Christ. Right? You have, we have eternal life. Um, and so that's uh, one of the reasons that we can rejoice, um, is that our names are written in the book of life. I love Ephesians 1, 7. It says, We have received redemption through his, meaning Christ's blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So if you're in Christ, we can rejoice because we have received redemption through what Christ did for us on the cross. All right, we can, I can rejoice right now because I, my name is written in the book of, of life and that when I pass away, I will be with the Lord forever because I've been redeemed through Jesus. Isn't that an amazing truth, church, to know that we can walk confidently because of what Christ has done for us on the cross? So what Paul is commanding us, church, is to rejoice always. Uh, Carson, who's a, who's a great theologian, notes that this is a command, not good advice. 
right? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say, hey, if you can, rejoice. No, but he commands, saying, rejoice in the Lord, right? And so it's a command. So Paul, again, knows firsthand that there certainly will be occasions when we're grieved and filled with sorrow. But even in those times, in the midst of our suffering, right, Paul says to rejoice. And I love 2 Corinthians 6.10 that Paul says, um, as grieving yet always rejoicing. So Paul's not saying we are to be stoics and to be cold and say, no, there's not suffering even though there is. He's saying, yes, there is suffering, and even in that grieving, we can rejoice. And so my question is to you, do, you, do people see your joy in the Lord? If you, are, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, do people see your joy in the Lord? Right? I love Psalm 1611 um, that says, He makes known the path of life. In His presence there is fullness of joy. At His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Right? And so in God, in His presence, there is fullness of joy. So are you in God's presence? Do you know the Lord as your Savior? Right? Have you been forgiven? Have you been redeemed through Christ? If you have, you can rejoice because now in His presence, there is fullness of joy. At His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The only rest that we can truly find is in, in Christ. Right? So do you know Christ as your Savior? And our prayer for Redeemer Church is that our lives would heed this command for constant rejoicing, that our community would see a deep-seated joy that points others to Jesus. So with this command, we look at verse 5. Uh, to rejoice always, Paul says to let our reasonableness, right, or a, a better translation is to let our gentleness be known to everyone um, because the Lord is at hand. And if you are, don't raise your hand. But does it show, is it easy to show gentleness and kindness to the people that are nice to you? Yes, right? But people that come and start pointing their finger in your face and blaming you for something you didn't do or whatever it is, is that easy to be kind to them? No, right? If we're truthful, our flesh wants to take them outside, as someone just told me earlier, and said, let me teach you a few things, right? That's what our flesh wants to do, right? But Paul doesn't say that here. He says, instead, be kind, be gentle, and it says to everyone. So again, the question is, how do we be gentle? How do we be kind to these people? How do we be kind to all? How are we to show grace, kindness, and gentleness to someone who is angry with us? And again, Paul just alluded to in verse 4, because our joy is rooted in the gospel, therefore our lives should reflect, reflect gentleness and graciousness. Tanner a few weeks ago touched on this in Philippians 2, 2-8. through 8. If you would turn there, um, Paul says, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but Christ emptied himself, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus, God incarnate, came and emptied himself and was so selfless to the point even death on the cross that he came to serve you and I, who really the Bible says we are his enemies because we desire what we want rather than what God wants. Yet in spite of our sin, Christ came and served you and served me. 
and gave himself on the cross. And that's just an amazing truth. And so I just, I pray and I want to encourage the church, to, as Paul says, to be of one mind and pursuing the follow Jesus Christ example and being kind and gentle to all. Uh, verse 4, again, says, no one's all, right? And so first we are to show kindness and gentleness to our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So the church is made up of all different types of people, but because of the gospel, we have been united together in Christ. So my prayer, Redeemer Church, Odessa, is that we would be a church where we treat each other in, the, in this way, right, with kindness and gentleness. If you're a part of a community group, are you treating your people with kindness and gentleness? Here's another thing. Maybe, maybe your actions may be showing that, but what is your mind saying? Right? Are you loving that person in the midst of, if they're, I'm a difficult person, so I know my wife has to deal with me every day, right? But are we treating them with love and kindness in our mind as well, right, in our thought life? Secondly, we are to show gentleness and kindness to people outside the church. Loving people is hard, and especially when they are our enemy. But we as redeemed people need to remember that at one time, I love Romans 5.10, it says we are far off from God. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Did you hear that? So if you are a redeemed Christ, if you are a Christian who has been redeemed, at one time you were God's enemy. And, I'm, and sometimes I'm like, I, wasn't, I never did anything bad. But if I really look at my thought life, if I look at my actions in my past, I realized that I was serving Mark rather than God. And therefore, I was not pursuing holiness as the Bible calls me. I was pursuing not holiness. Right? And so therefore, the Bible says, I am his enemy. And I deserve hell because of that. Right? But it says, while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God. So we were self-asserting people who grumbled and disputed. Now, however, this truth should cause us to love others and show kindness to others because of the amazing grace we have been showing in Christ. I don't know if you've heard of Jim Elliott, but he was a missionary, him and four other men. Uh, I don't know when, it was maybe in the 60s. Um, but he and four other men went to share the gospel with this tribe that was unreached, meaning they had no access to the gospel to hear of Jesus unless someone went and told them. So these men and their families moved, uh, I believe, to South America and went and lived on this island with these people who were unreached. They had never had contact with the outside world. Jim Elliott and his, uh, his three companions went down, flew their plane, and landed to go and share the gospel with these Indians. And they came out and slaughtered Jim Elliott and three other men because these men went to share the gospel. These men, uh, these, uh, this tribe came and slaughtered them. Here's the, the amazing thing, though, is that Jim Elliott's wife went to that same tribe that slaughtered her husband and shared the gospel with them and many of them came to Christ, and she actually met her husband's murderer, and he came to faith. And so that right there is a great picture. I just want us to see that's what it means to love our enemies, right? Just as Christ loved me, I am to go and show gentleness to everyone else, right? So then in hopes they see Jesus. So does your life show evidence of this graciousness? Do you desire to show this peop to people in your community group? Do you show this to your coworkers, your family, and your neighbors? Tanner touched on that Redeemer Church of Odessa's mission is to be salt and light in this community. If our joy is in the Lord, then you will be gentle and kind. So let us heed this command because of the great love with which we have been loved in Christ. At the end of verse 5, Paul adds, The Lord is at hand. 
And again, this is, what I, this is why I love this text, uh, that all throughout Scripture, uh, and when we see all throughout Scripture, when there's a command, right, to go and rejoice, right, be reasonable with everyone, he says the Lord is at hand, right? So Paul says, command, go and rejoice, and, and be gentle with everyone. Why? And the great promise is because the Lord is at hand. That's why we can pursue to be gentle and kind with everyone. Isn't it amazing that there are sweet truths attached to commandments? So just as we have seen, we can rejoice always because of the gospel. Paul, Paul says we can show gentleness to all. We can rejoice because uh, always, and as we will see next, we don't have to be anxious about anything because the Lord is at hand. So when we, when we see the Lord is at hand, on the one hand, one commentator said that Jesus is coming back again soon. Right? We, the Bible refers to that. Uh, Paul just reminded us in Philippians 3.20 through 21, says, we await the future appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven. Right? So that's one meaning uh, of what it means to be the Lord is at hand. But the other one, uh, is for the, the meaning for the other, what it means for the Lord to be at hand is that he is right here and near to, near to us. Isn't that amazing? That if we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, the word says. Right? Now, Psalmist affirms this. It says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the Christian spirit. So this truth should cause us, Christian, to rejoice and to live out these truths in the present. Because he is at hand, we should be living these truths out. Right? Because he is near to us. He dwells inside of us and has given us the confidence and the courage to go and shine, shine our light. So verse, as we look at verses 6 through 7, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be, be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this will show us as we pray to, pray to God, peace will be given to us. So again, knowing that the Lord is at hand also becomes the basis for, thirds, for Paul's third ex- exhortation, which is not to be anxious but instead to pray. And how many of us, I know, in, I know in my life when I become anxious, I'll turn to myself, right, looking for strength in myself, right, or looking to something in the world, which I'm, getting, I'm not saying we shouldn't go to counselors or talk to people about these things that we're anxious about, but who, where are you turning ultimately to, in first, to fight that anxiety, right? This is why it's so encouraging to me uh, to be reminded to turn to God first, Right, because he says, come to me and I will give you peace. Um, so here again, just as Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And the reason we can is because of our relationship with Christ. So here Paul says, do not be anxious about anything because the Lord is at hand. In verse 6, if you look, he says, don't be anxious about anything. But, right, I had one guy remind me that uh, there's big buts in the Bible and we should pay attention to them. Right? And so this but word is a big but. Right, he says, don't, don't be anxious, but, right? So there's, some, there's something else we need to do, right? He said, the, one commentator said, we need to replace our anxiety with prayer. As we have alluded to, there are definitely things in this world that cause us to be anxious. The Philippian church in this letter faced several things that caused them to be anxious, from external opposition to internal opposition, with people in the church going against and grumbling to one another. Right? And Paul for sure uh, had, had, had uh, reason to be anxious right? because he was in prison at this time. Um, and so Paul shows us that on, the only way we can re- receive true peace 
that surpasses understanding is to go vertical. Uh, we are to pray about whatever is making us anxious with thanksgiving, the verse says. When we let our requests be known to God, we are to do it with thankfulness. That we have the privilege, did you hear that? We have the privilege, if you are in Christ, to go to God in prayer. Right? The God of the universe, that God that formed you and everything else in this world. We have the privilege to go to him and let our requests be known. This is amazing. Right? Because, ultimately, we have the privilege because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Right? He has, he has brought us back into a relationship with God through what he did for us on the cross. So thankfulness is knowing the gift we have been given in Christ and humbly coming to our good Father in heaven with our requests. Uh, many commentators have, have suggested that Paul is alluding to Matthew 6, 25-34, which I'm not going to read this morning, but I encourage you to go read that, uh, where Jesus says in those verses, don't worry three times. One of the reasons is that uh, Jesus says in 6.26, in Matthew, he says, if God provides for the birds, how much more will he provide for you? Right? If God provides for the birds, birds, then how much more will he provide for us who are more valuable? There's a great preacher named Martin Luther back in the 1500s, and he said his favorite preacher of all time, right, was a bird. And I was just like, What? But he, he says that every morning he would look out and there is this bird that would come and get food and he would go back to his tree, sing a song to praise, and goes quietly to sleep. Right? Meaning that the bird was not worried about where his next meal was coming from. Meaning he knew he was safe because there was food for him. Right? So how, if God provides for the birds that neither work nor toil, right, how much more will he provide for us who are his children? Isn't that amazing? So next time you go out these doors... Look in the sky and say, and look to the birds and say, preach to me, right? Preach to me and, and remind me that, yes, if God provides for you, how much more will he provide for me, right? The ones that he's redeemed and, and brought back to life and back in union with him, right? And Tanner's a great preacher, but the birds are better, right? <laughs> and so verse, that's, I just encourage you as you walk out just to do that and just let that bring you comfort and, and, and joy in the midst of whatever you're going through, knowing that God knows uh, your request, even before you ask him, and that if you are his child, he loves you, and he wants to, to let he wants you to let your request be known to him because he's a good father. So verse seven says, "And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." This shows that when we fight anxiety with prayer, the result will be. Uh, sorry, my notes. Paul doesn't. Yeah, so the result will be that we'll have peace in the midst of our suffering, right? So Paul doesn't say that when we pray, God will keep us from having problems. Rather, once we pray and give our burdens to God, we can have peace in the midst of the problem. God will, as it says, guard our hearts and minds when anxious thoughts and fears arise. The peace that we will receive surpasses all understanding, meaning it doesn't make sense to have peace when we have it. Have you ever met a person and they have peace even in the midst of whatever they're going through, if it's a hard trial or suffering? And you're like, how are you happy right now? Rejoicing, not happy is that circumstantial, but how are you rejoicing right now? Right? You, she may be here, she may be crying and with tears, but yet they're rejoicing. I think the reason is because they have this peace with God, right? They've been going to God with their requests, and the verse 7 is true in their life. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding where God your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Uh, I have a personal testimony that when I was in college, I had really bad anxiety, and I would, I would have attacks that would just, it would make me just have to go to someone and ask, hi, I need help because I can't calm myself down. One night I felt one coming on, and I went to these verses, and I prayed to God, and I said, Lord, you say not to be anxious about anything, and right now it's very hard for me not to be anxious, but I'm going to trust your promise, and I'm going to rely on you and trust that you will bring me peace. And at that, that moment, God brought me peace. Um, and, and I still have anxiety to this day, but this is why I have this verse memorized, because I can go to him and say, Lord, I need peace right now. Please give me peace. That surpasses all understanding. Guard my heart. Guard my mind. All right, so we have, we have the sword. We have, we have the solution. So I encourage you, if you are anxious, and when you're anxious, go to God in prayer and let his peace cover you. Um, yeah, and the last words in verse 7 are the most important if we want to come to God in prayer. It says, and the words in verse 7, the last ones, are in Christ. So in order to have this peace that only comes from God, we must know the Prince of Peace. It is only through a relationship with Jesus that you can know what Paul is talking about. So ask yourself, am I in Christ? Do I have a relationship with Jesus through seeking forgiveness of my sins? Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Have you been justified by faith? Have you placed your faith in Christ alone and received that peace that only comes through Christ? My prayer and our prayer for Redeemer Church is that we would strive to live on mission in our community. And we, when we meet, right, when, not if, but when we meet sufferings and trials, we would first heed this command to not be anxious as hard as that is, I know I'm not trying to say it's easy, right? Paul's not trying to say it's easy. That's why he's reminding us, hey, remember, in, in these times of anxiety, rejoice. In these times of anxiety, pray, right? He knows it's hard. He knows it's difficult, right? That we would turn to him in prayer um, and not be anxious. That we would do as First Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, um, where he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And that's just an amazing thought that God, that God of the universe cares for me. He cares for you, right? He's asking you, saying, come to me. Cast your anxieties. I know what you're going through. I know the situation that's going on. Come to me and I will give you rest, right? And so that's, this, I love that truth. And so I pray that truth will be um, true in your life. So when we do this, it will show our community, our families, our neighbors, that we are dependent on the Lord and trust Him by lifting our request to our Father in Heaven who loves us. Our city, the people that we are surrounded by every day, needs this peace, and we have the great opportunity to give them the medicine needed. So lastly, in verses 8 through 9, um, we'll see, Paul will show us to ponder the things of God in His Word and to put into practice these things. So verses 8 through 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure and whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Right? And so Paul concludes these exhortations by calling his readers to ponder these six whatever statements in verse 8. Paul knows that the thoughts that occupy our minds and the images that cap capture our Im imagination shape our character, and find expression in our behavior. Right, let me read that again. Paul knows that the thoughts that occupy your mind 
and the images that capture our imagination shape our character and find expression in our behavior. Last week, Tanner took us through Matthew 5, where Jesus says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. Hopefully, we've seen in our time this morning that the call to shine our lights, that, that, that call is to shine our lights through rejoicing always, through being gentle and kind to all, and not being anxious, but instead pray, which will show the watching world Jesus, and they will give glory to God. Paul knows, that, however, that the only way to continue to do this each day, and I'm sure you've seen this in your life, I know I have, is to ponder and reflect the virtues of Christ. Right? If we're not in the Word daily, we are more, we'll be more and more dependent upon ourselves rather than God, right? Uh, I know I've seen that in my life. So Paul's reminding us to, to, to think on Christ, to think on the virtues that reflect Christ. So we need to ponder these Christ-centered virtues and the way we do that is to renew our minds each day in God's Word. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Christian mindset is to be determined and reshaped by knowledge of the gospel, which comes through God's Word. Right? If you were, so I'm going to ask you a question. If you were to examine your thought life, does it show, what, what, what would it show that you ponder on? If you ponder on garbage, garbage will come out. If you ponder on, ponder on truth and purity, truth and purity will come out. I love what one commentator says. He says, get into the Word until the Word gets into you. Right? And so I encourage you this week, just take this text, these, 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 these five verses, and ponder on them, and let them get into you until uh, the Word is in you. Right? And, let, and see how your life will just naturally change, that you'll start living and being gentle and kind to others because your mind is on Christ, right? You're pondering the things of Christ, so the things of Christ will come out. So Paul ends in verse 9, saying, Whatever you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The Philippian church had a front row seat to see how the gospel took root in his life. I wish I could have been there seeing Paul, right? But we do have him actually in the Word, right? He's speaking to us right now through his, God's Word. Right, but they have a front row seat to how, how the gospel took root in his life. Paul, therefore, says in 317, if you would look with me at 317, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul has shown his friends in us faith in Christ uh, and how it works out in practice. Right? Paul is not just preaching all these things, but sitting back saying, Hey, do that, do this, do that, right? But Paul is in the midst of suffering. Paul is in the midst of going and sharing the gospel. So therefore, he is a great example to follow, right? You don't want to just follow someone that says, do this, do that, but their life doesn't reflect that, right? You want someone that you can watch and follow and say, I want to be like him. I want to be like her, right? And so the question I have is, if you are in Christ, does your life reflect that? Right? And again, not perfectly because we're not perfect, but does your life reflect that you ponder on the virtues of Christ and then put into practice in your daily life, right? And so that, that's just an encouragement and just a thought to think through, the, through today. And then lastly in verse 9, Paul says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I love this. The result of such constant Christian practice is stated in the words, and the God of peace will be with you. The expression the God of peace here complements and brings to climax the phrase the peace of God in verse 7. 
Not only will the Philippians who obey these instructions receive God's most wonderful gift, get this, they will also have as their constant helper and friend the giver himself. That's just amazing to know that God is, is, if you're in Christ, is on your side. Right? That Jesus bore our sins on the cross, uh, I think, and Peter says, that we might be brought near to God. Right? That's why Christ suffered and died, that you and I would be reunited with God our Father. Right? And that's as verse 7, the end of verse 7 says, the God of peace will be with you. And so church, again, because the Lord is at hand, we can heed these commands to rejoice always. We can be gentle with everyone. We don't have to be anxious, but in everything pray and ponder the virtues of Christ and therefore put into practice what you have seen and learned from Christ and his word. That as we meditate on these things, we would remember our hope in Christ, who is our reconciler and gentle Savior, that his gift of salvation would cause us to rejoice, that daily we look to him for our righteousness, not to ourselves, but to him for our righteousness and for our daily renewal. And then therefore we would go and imitate him um, in, in this world. I love Acts 4.20 where it talks about Peter and John. And they, they say, we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. These men are being tempted. These, these guys are coming to tell them to stop preaching Jesus or we're going to throw you in jail. And Peter and John respond with, not with, okay, I'll, I'll stop. But they say, man, I can't, I can't speak, I can't but speak of what I've seen and heard. I know this Jesus, he's risen from the dead, and you can kill me right here, right now, but I'm not going to stop speaking because I know that he is the Savior and these people need to know Jesus. Right? Isn't that amazing? And so does your life reflect that and emulate that, that your joy in Jesus is so much that you cannot but go and speak of what you've seen and heard and what God has done in your life? And so during our response time, uh, the band can come up and get ready. Um, but just during our response time, I just want to uh, just ask you that you would ponder uh, the truth that has been spoken to today. Maybe if you're not in Christ, uh, maybe if you don't know that you have the peace of God in your life, um, and that, that's okay, I'm glad that you're here today, right? Because at one time, I didn't have the peace of God in my life. But hearing the word preached, I realized that I needed Jesus. And so maybe that's you today in this room. Maybe for the first time you realize I know of God, but I don't know the, I don't know the Prince of Peace. I don't, I'm not, I don't have a relationship with him. Right? I love uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, Jesus became sin, so that in him we might, he, he became sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? He came to take your sin and my sin upon himself. And so if you don't know him, that me and Tanner would love to talk to you. He's going to be in the back. I'll be here on the side. Um, if you're in Christ, or if you want us to pray for you, we'll, we'd love to pray for you. Um, so just use this time to respond, to ponder on Christ, your great Savior, um, and, and respond in worship.